0: Welcome to Double Fries, No Slaw. It is December 20th. Unfortunately, we are putting an end to the FSU season and wrapped that up uh, this weekend with another cancellation. But always good to be with you, my buddies, Richie Barnes and Freddie Stevenson. How are you guys doing tonight?
1: And I'm, I'm good, man. she'm starting to get into my holiday vibes. Now Christmas is almost here. Sucks that we get an opportunity to play on Saturday, but... We got to watch the Gators go, well, so that's always that's always a fun thing. So I'm feeling good. What about you, Rich? Yeah,
2: man, a lot of good football on Saturday. Uh, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, the night was spoiled a little bit with, uh, you know, UCF taking us down. But if, if that means uh, if that's what we had to give to get Mackenzie Milton, then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll gladly sacrifice this, this one out-of-conference loss. But it's uh, been a great weekend for me, man. So having a good time. TJ.
0: Yeah, no, doing really well. We did a lot of we've. I feel like we've done Christmas stuff every day this weekend. Friday night we went over to Disney with my daughter. We uh, the last night we went and did some Christmas stuff with some friends, and then tonight we went to the zoo and they had like some kind of meet Santa thing. So yeah, it's been it's been Christmas all weekend and five days from Christmas. I'm excited, but we'll uh, we'll jump right into the show. Double fries, no slaw, brought to you by Guthries in Tallahassee. You can visit both their locations at 1818 West Tennessee Street. And 2550 North Monroe, appreciate their support. And uh, not a better Christmas meal than a gut box. So we have a guest tonight. I'm going to add her to the stream. Uh, ESPN's own Andrea Adelson. How are you tonight, Andrea? Thanks for hanging out with us.
3: Hey, guys. I am great. And I feel like I could use some Guthrie's right now to refuel because of the long day I have had tracking what's happened with not just the playoff but with the bowl games. I literally just finished filing my work. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, we, we so much appreciate you coming on. We knew it would be a crazy day phrase. Like, you know, Sunday's like a really busy day for it. I was like, how about like last thing? Like late at (laughs) night, we'll we'll do whatever. So, but you said that that's, that's usually my first question to people. Have you had Guthrie's before? Are you a Guthrie's fan? Like what's, what's the situation there?
3: So I started covering Florida state Many, many years ago, before I got to ESPN, I worked at the Orlando Sentinel mm. and I was a college football reporter. So I would make many, many trips to Tallahassee. So I'm quite familiar. Absolutely. And in my job at ESPN, I live in Orlando. I'm the natural person to go up to Tallahassee anytime anything is happening. So a uh, big fan. Absolutely. And I've uh, been following the show on Twitter and uh, I'm excited to be on.
0: Yeah, no, we... We appreciate it, and we like when we uh, find other people that have like hit Guthries and stuff. Like we asked Kirk about it; he's a big Guthries fan. We we've asked a lot of people that have been on, and always better when they say yes. I I I, asked—I mean, everybody on here knows this—but I asked Charlie Ward if he'd ever, you know, like what his relationship, you know. Oh, you've gotten Guthries and stuff. He's like, well, teach. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a vegan, and I was like, all right, well. Whoops! (laughs) Whoops! <laughs> you know, like sorry about that. You know, like maybe not for you, more for me, I guess. But anyway, um, so you we talked about it. it. Busy day for you, crazy day. The the football playoff committee rankings came out. Everything kind of got started, and you know, I'll start with this: Notre Dame, Texas A and M. That seems to be where the argument was. Uh, in your opinion, did they make the right call? Was Was Notre Dame the team that deserved that fourth spot?
3: I don't know if anybody deserved the 4th spot this year. Quite honestly, it just felt so meh to me after watching Notre Dame yesterday against Clemson in the ACC Championship game. We know Texas A&M lost by 28 to Alabama. So, it wasn't as if the decision was going to lead to a highly competitive semifinal game. I feel fairly confident that Alabama would have taken care of either team without a problem. I am not surprised this is the direction the committee went in because when they have made decisions like this in the past at number four, the team that has the better all better overall body of work is the one that gets in. And when you look at Notre Dame, the fact that they had beaten Clemson earlier in the year, the fact that they had a top 15 win on the road against North Carolina, I think that was a really good win for Notre Dame, especially when we saw what North Carolina did to Miami a few weeks later. That is what put Notre Dame over the top. And yet they, I think, are a 19-point underdog going into the semifinal against Alabama. So it's going to be a lot more of the same old, same old in the playoff.
0: Yeah, it seems like it. it seems like every year, and there are years that are exceptions for this, and you know I mean even going back to the year that we were in it every year it seems like one of the playoff games is great and one is just an absolute um, blowout you know or just terrible like you think about the time Michigan State was in and when Washington was in obviously FSU against Oregon the one Clemson Ohio State was terrible right like there's just been so many that are just so bad um I don't know if that's an argument for expansion or dumbing it back down or maybe uh, maybe a number that nobody has ever suggested maybe three is the right number. Maybe you give one a buy and two and three duke it out and then they go get to go up against you know whoever one is that year. But I don't know. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm not super hopeful that we'll get a great game in that one verse four. What about two verse three? A lot of people were upset that Ohio State played less games. Um, still got to get in by virtue of winning all the games they did play. Um, that game last year, minus a miscommunication by the receiver and fields. I mean Ohio State wins that game. Um, how good will that game be this year? Um, because Ohio state didn't look super great yesterday and, and Clemson did.
3: I had no problems with Ohio state making the playoff, even though they only played six games because they wanted to play in September. I mean, that was one of the big 10 teams that came out and said, no, no, we, we want to play. We need to play. And I've talked to Ohio state players Basically, since August, who were like, This is our year to avenge that loss to Clemson so that we could win a national championship. And they were absolutely gutted when the season was postponed. So, when they restarted it and the Cajabal Playoff Selection Committee said, We're not going to hold how many games you play against teams, I had a feeling that if Ohio State ended up undefeated, and winning a conference championship that they would be in. So not surprised at all. This is the direction that the committee went in. As for the rematch, I was at the game last year in Arizona and I remember how dejected the Ohio State locker room was in the loss. You know, in the in the bowl games and the playoff, we're allowed into the locker room. That's the only time they have open locker room. And that's when you can really, truly see the emotions of of what's happening. And they were all immediately in that aftermath saying, we have to get back here so that we can beat Clemson. They knew they were going to have Justin Fields back and a lot of their terrific players were going to be back. And so that was the goal from last year. Obviously, things are much different now because of the pandemic. And Ohio State has been one of the teams that has been impacted by coronavirus issues and spread in their locker room they were missing a bunch of key players in the championship game against Northwestern including their top receiver Chris Olave so the Big Ten has decided that their rules for how many games you have to sit out now after a positive test is going down to 17 and Ohio State coach Ryan Day expects the majority of the team will be available against Clemson but When you're talking about facing a team like Clemson, that looks so good in the ACC championship game, but it's also played 11 games compared to six for Ohio State. You've got a team in Clemson that has found a rhythm. They found their identity. They're clicking. They know what's working, what's not working. Ohio State's still working through that. They haven't put together a dominating effort. I don't think they've put together a complete effort. In fact, in their two biggest wins, there have been questions about, how good Ohio State is. That's why a lot of people were wondering whether they should be a playoff team. So, I'm picking Clemson in that game, uh, and I think that there is an opportunity for Clemson to win that game going away.
2: Andrea, the, if this year taught us anything, obviously it, the committee had a tough, you know, job with the you know Ohio State playing six games, other teams playing 10, 11 games. I mean, I agree. I think the, I've been saying for weeks on here, the four teams that got in today would be the four teams that actually end up in there, but can we uh, just squash the myth that the group of five ever has a chance? Um, you know, we have coastal Carolina, I think they're 11 and zero, and uh, they couldn't even get into a new year six game and you have three lost Florida um, and uh, two other three loss teams, I believe that are in new year six games that what's your thoughts on how the group of five is, is assessed and treated uh, in this situation.
3: I'm glad you asked me that because I wrote a column on ESPN.com about that. We have become immune to the fact that the group of five is not going to get any consideration, but that's not necessarily a good thing. I think we should continue to be outraged by the fact that there is a wide section of college football and college football teams that will never, ever be given consideration for a playoff spot and or potentially a New York six spot outside the one that they are guaranteed. And you look at this year playing in the middle of a pandemic, you think, okay, if there's any year where it could possibly happen, maybe they'll think about it. It would be this year, but no Cincinnati got no consideration. They're undefeated. And today they got jumped by a two loss Oklahoma team that won their conference championship. None of it makes sense except for the fact that the power five wants all the power. They want to consolidate the power for themselves and they want to keep the money for themselves. So why would they allow the group of five in when it benefits the power five to continue to have a stranglehold on the top four spots in the playoff? We started to see this happen with UCF in 2017. I covered that extensively And the number of people who were scoffing at the self-declaration of a national championship, who were just clutching their pearls and, oh, how could somebody do something like this to buck the system? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's looking pretty good right now, isn't it? The fact that they had to do it for themselves because they would never be recognized otherwise, I think has been crystallized even more this year throughout the process. When you see schools like Cincinnati and coastal Carolina just completely get brushed away and, and backhanded. Well, it's not good enough. Sorry. Well, what's ever going to be good enough? Nothing, nothing will ever be good enough. And so I went on my little soapbox (laughs) with with my fingers on my keyboard, like I am right now with you guys. And it's just once again, continuing to expose the inequality of college football and the way this playoff system was set up.
0: And,
2: and uh, you know, one, one quick note on the group of five, you know, I will always, I've always said UCF won that 2017 national championship because of who our quarterback is now, but we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, for Florida State fans, it was weird watching the ACC championship game. You know, as a Florida State guy, I, I kind of wanted Notre Dame to win to get Clemson out of the playoff because we're all sick of Clemson. They, You know, we're used to running this conference. Now they are. But just talk about how good it is for all ACC schools that we do have two, you know, quote unquote ACC programs in the playoffs for revenue sharing purposes alone.
3: Oh, it's obviously fantastic. This is the first time it's happened for the ACC. And this is the dream scenario back in August when they decided they were going to join forces for just this Mm -hmm. year to have Notre Dame in as a conference member. I think we all thought this would be an inevitability. Uh, And so the fact that it's actually here and that Notre Dame did make it in over an SEC school in Texas A&M just adds an extra feather to the cap of the ACC. And and by the way, there are three other ACC teams that ended up ranked in the uh, top 25. And that's a credit to, I think, improved play across the board in the ACC. A lot of times people wonder, oh, it's just Clemson and everybody else. Okay, maybe Notre Dame is kind of sort of there and it's taking a while for everyone else to get there. But the fact that there are five ranked teams, the fact that there are two teams in the playoff, I think is great for the ACC. And hopefully this will just continue forward because you just hate that continued comparison with the SEC and the way that the ACC schedule does not measure up to what the SEC plays. I think this year it absolutely did.
1: I know um, a lot of people across the country have had an issue with Ohio State getting in just because they only played six games. And their wins, um, like yesterday, they beat a Northwestern team. But I feel like a, a lot of people aren't really appreciating the, the wins from Ohio State. The Indiana win against an Indiana team that was hot at the time. Of course, they all ended up losing their star quarterback. And then a Northwestern team that's always been tough. But this is a year that they stood out. And they're making big noise. So do you feel like teams appreciate the Ohio State team while they're still developing that rhythm? And I think at any point they can strive to become that team that we believe they could be before the season.
3: You're right, Freddie, especially because they have missed so many of their key players in their two biggest games. I mentioned Olave and a, a bunch of others that missed against Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game, but they were also missing three starters on the offensive line in one of their other games, including their starting center, and there were issues at center in that game. So I don't think we have seen Ohio State as a complete team since their first game when they started to come back. And the fact that they it sounds like they will have most of their team available against Clemson – indicates that they will be a dangerous team, especially because everyone is going to be so motivated to avenge that loss from last year. And it wasn't just the interception in the end zone uh, that Justin Fields threw, miscommunication with Chris Olave. There were several calls in that game that ohio state disputed that they felt went against them when in fact they should not have so there were issues in the wake of that game that ohio state took a little bit personally so i do think they have the capability of putting it all together when you've got a guy like justin fields Uh, trey sermon was outstanding running the ball in the big 10 championship game You get Olave back. They've had some other receivers step up. Great offensive line, by the way. Um, Coming together a little bit for them defensively, I think the defense still is a work in progress. But if you've got Justin Fields behind center, you're capable of beating anybody in this country. The big question with Justin Fields now as they start to prepare, it looks like he sprained the thumb on his throwing hand and it was really bothering him after he got injured and then post game. So hopefully he'll be healthy. So that way everybody has a a full squad going into this game, but that will definitely be something to continue to monitor uh, as we get ready for that game.
1: And the last question, I know a lot of people across the country are kind of between Texas and them, you back and forth some, some guys sided with Notre Dame some with Texas and them, but then you have this argument. And that, it's been me, myself included. Despite them being able to help the ACC out, um, my thought process is that Notre Dame, we've seen them on this level before. 2012, we seen them go against Alabama. And then last year, we saw them at its highest level. They always seem to kind of flop and get completely demolished. But do you think that was went into the thought process when the committee was making this decision? Because all those, like I agree with you, the four team, no matter who it was, are gonna get blown out. But at this point, like we know we know what Notre Dame's going to do. Let's give another team an opportunity. What's your thoughts on that?
3: So last night after the games were over, all of us at ESPN.com had to give our own top four. Who if we were on the committee, who would we put in? And I actually had AM in because of what you just said about Notre Dame. I didn't feel good about putting Notre Dame in because of what happened against Clemson in the ACC championship game, but also because we've seen failures before in the playoff, whether it was the national championship game against Alabama, the semifinal against Clemson, I think it was 30 to three several years ago, wasn't even close or competitive. And if Trevor Lawrence and those defensive players had played in November in the game that that Notre Dame won in double overtime, Notre Dame probably loses that game too. So that went into my thought process. Now the committee today, their chair, Gary Barda said, they just looked at the body of work. There's no consideration for what happened in years past. We're just going to consider what happened this year. And for them, the fact that they had those two top 15 wins, the fact that they had beaten Clemson previously, the fact that they did lose in a conference championship game, didn't want to penalize them maybe for playing in a conference championship game. That was what went into their thought process. But if I was in the committee room, I think I would have voted a little bit differently.
0: Yeah, and the committee stayed consistent with that, right? Like Florida lost a great game, but they didn't move them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they were consistent with that in in not moving teams down um, that had lost that game. I, I want to ask you about that game. I know that the, the ACC game was kind of a snooze fest, not, uh, not the best ACC championship that we've seen although there haven't been a ton that were just like fantastic. Um, What about that game later? I, you know, Bama was a 17 and a half point favorite going into that game. Uh, Florida just coming off a a pretty bad loss against LSU. Um, Florida down big early, right? 18 at halftime, if I remember correctly. Uh, And then found a way to fought back. It never had the ball with the chance to like tie it up or take the lead. Well, until the last play, right? Until the sack. But, um, did a great job of fighting back, you know, and uh, what are your thoughts on that UF Bama game?
3: Well, I should have said this at the top, but I'm really happy you guys allowed me on the show because I am a Florida grad. So I wasn't sure if that would be a disqualifying (laughs) factor.
2: Uh, (laughs) We've had had Andy Staples a few times.
3: (laughs) Oh, Andy and I actually went to Florida at the same time together and worked at the student newspaper there. So um, when, when I went to school at Florida, Uh, that was Steve Spurrier and Danny Werfel. This was the high-flying days of Florida football and offensive football specifically. So when I watched Florida this season, I was having flashbacks to when I was a student at Florida because it felt very similar to the types of things that they were able to do in the fun and gun with Steve Spurrier. So I was not surprised that they were able to move the ball on Alabama. I had a feeling they'd be able to do that just based on what Ole Miss had done. And I think Florida's offense was – If there's any one that they had played that was maybe similar to Ole Miss, uh, it would be Florida. And the matchup advantage they obviously have with Kyle Pitts, who's I think one of the most outstanding players, if not the most outstanding player in college football, Darius, Tony, what he can do. Um, uh, Grimes, what he can do. They have playmakers across the board. And I think Kyle Trask elevated his game this year to a point where he could make some plays that perhaps in the past, Florida just could not make in the passing game. So this is not one of the best Alabama defenses. The fact that they're winning with offense is continuing to be mind blowing because Alabama loves to win with defense, but not this year. Uh, so again, not surprised Florida was able to move the ball. Not surprised Alabama scored at will because Florida's defense has been poor for most of the season, and I wasn't sure that their corners would be able to match up with the skilled players that they have. Najee Harris was the big difference. They just They had no way of slowing him down. He was spectacular in that game. So to me, what it came down to was poor clock management on Florida's part. The fact that they scored too fast before the half, that allowed Alabama to score before the half. That made it a much larger deficit to have to overcome. They mismanaged the clock at the end of the game when they were trying to come back and tie it up. And they also had, again, continuing uh, discipline penalties on third down on defense that killed them on several drives. So um, I I thought it was a valiant effort by Florida. I thought they'd probably lose by 14. So the fact that they didn't um, indicates maybe they played a little bit better than I expected. But I wasn't surprised that Florida was able to move the ball. I, I still think that they've got one of the most talented offenses in the country.
0: Yeah, they really do. And you you talked about that and you kind of alluded to it. Do you have a Heisman vote? or And if, if you don't, can you tell us who you would vote for or, or what are your thoughts there? And can you give us a one, two, three?
3: <laughs> well, I do have a Heisman vote. So I cannot give you a one, two, three yet because I've sworn to secrecy until all right, all right. the Heisman is announced. But I will give you a little glimpse into the thought process. Sure. Uh, I've had a Heisman vote for a, a while now. And every year, what I try to do is not look at the stats too much. Yes, the stats are a part of it. But I want to make sure that I watch every single player that is going to be in contention with my own eyes, forget about whatever it says about how many yards, how many, no, what do they look like? What, what did the eye test? The playoff committee likes to use that as a Heisman voter. I like to use that myself. So you could make an argument for Alabama to have Najee Harris, Mac Jones and Devontae Smith all on your top three. And you wouldn't be wrong. Those guys have been absolutely outstanding all season long they've taken that offense to another level you can make an argument that kyle trask and kyle pitts deserve to be on there and you could also make an argument for trevor lawrence who i think a lot of people at this stage of his career may be taking him a little bit for granted because we've already seen how outstanding he is since the time he was a true freshman So he's not new, right? He's not somebody who's going to wow you all of a sudden because you haven't seen it before. You've kind of seen everything that Trevor Lawrence can do before. And so I think that's really impacting the way Heisman voters are viewing him because the numbers statistically up against Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, they just they aren't there because that's not what Clemson has done offensively this year. And. So he gets a little bit undervalued, at least in my thought process, as I watch what other people have said, what our Heisman watch looks like on ESPN.com. So I think among all those players I just listed, one of them is going to be the winner. And I do think this is going to be the most unpredictable year for picking who the Heisman winner is going to be. There is no clear cut slam dunk choice. The Alabama guys may end up splitting all the votes and then it could go to a guy like Kyle Trask or Trevor Lawrence or or somebody else maybe who we're not thinking about right now because you're going to have three Alabama guys split the vote. So I think those guys, I've watched them all year, have been terrific. Jalen Waddell would have been in that conversation if he hadn't gotten hurt. What Alabama has done offensively should not be taken lightly this is the best offense with the most talented players that's been assembled i I don't think there's any question about that and that's why i think they're the favorite to win the national championship and that's why i think one of those three guys right now is probably the favorite to win the heisman
0: yeah they were they were fantastic to watch um and then, you know, like you said, I'll back up and, and kind of merge your last two points. But yeah, I think there was a little bit of clock mismanagement, you know, with with, um, you know, especially at the end. Of, I mean, I know it happened at halftime, too, but especially at the end of the game where because Mullen kind of answered it right like he said going off into halftime, and he's kind of got a snarky answer for everything. He's kind of like baby Dabo, but um, he said, yeah, hey, we're just trying to score, you know, like they're, you know, we're just, we're not looking at the, we're just, and so like, ah, I get it. But like at the end where he took the timeout for the two point conversion. Now I do think that Alabama probably plays that a little bit different. If they know that, that Florida has two timeouts, maybe they do throw the ball where they had a lot of success. So it may kind of end all the same way, but if they hadn't and Trask had like a minute and a half to go or a minute and 20 seconds to go, I mean, that may be his Heisman moment because if he goes down there and they score, they're kicking the extra point and they're going to the playoff and, and he is winning the Heisman at that moment. Like, if you know, like just voters are so like emotional at times. And so, yeah, like I think that I, I think that what Alabama has been able to do though with those three guys, like there were times all three of those guys last night, you're just like, oh, wait, that's his moment. Oh, wait, that's his moment. Oh, wait, that's his moment. And Najee Harris was just insane. That route that Sarkeesian drew up. Where he scored on you know kind of the the hitch and then just it was like a hitch and slant like I've never seen that it was just like the most incredible thing so yeah they're fantastic to watch I mean I assume we get Clemson Alabama part you know seventeen or whatever it is at this point and I you know I have no problems seeing that again because I think that's a a ton of fun Richie I think I cut you off right you were gonna say something
2: yeah man and. For the record, I, I've been telling these guys for you know two months now that Devontae Smith should win the Heisman, and I think Freddie's finally on board with me there. Uh, I don't know where TJ stands, but um, we're going to get to Florida State stuff in a, in a second because apparently you're the only person that Mackenzie Milton will talk to publicly, which <laughs> is awesome that we have you on the podcast now. But I, I did want to ask you real quickly about Jim Phillips, man. Uh, he, he is – everyone thought he was going to become the next Big Ten commissioner. Um some eleventh hour, you know, we don't know what happened exactly. I Or you may know. I I didn't follow it closely, but Kevin Warren obviously was named commissioner. Um, I think a poor decision from the Big Ten, but it's a great for the ACC because we're able to get a guy that I wasn't sure about at first when I heard, oh, Jim Phillips is the new ACC commissioner. And then a lot of people I respect in the ACC world were saying, guys, this this is a home run. We could not have done any better. Just your thoughts on him briefly.
3: I am looking forward to meeting him for the first time because I have heard nothing but glowing things about him. And if that's what the reputation is before you even set foot inside the ACC building, that has to be pretty good for the ACC. I think the fact that he has sat in athletic director chair at a private school, which the ACC does have a bunch of private schools, right, trying to find that partnership between the private public and the ACC, I think that's beneficial. I think the fact that he's been on the basketball committee, hugely beneficial for a league like the ACC. The fact that he's already got relationships with the athletic directors inside the ACC, hugely beneficial. The fact that he's found ways to innovate and fundraise and do some different things for Northwestern to be able to bring that program into prominence. Also great news for the ACC, especially because we're heading into challenging times when it comes to name, image, and likeness and the direction that is going to take when it comes to now the financial implications of COVID and how that's going to affect programs down the line. So there are a lot of big picture issues that I think the ACC needs to be a leader on. And the fact that they brought in somebody who has the capability to lead at a time like this is is fantastic. And it is the Big Ten's loss because the hire of Kevin Warren, uh, I I think they just wanted to kind of go in a different direction, bring somebody in from outside the league, be a trailblazer and having the first African-American Power Five commissioner it doesn't look great now because of what happened during football season with, are we going to play? Are we not going to play? Are we going to play? Are we not going to play? And Jim Phillips really thought he was going to get that job. And when it didn't work out for him, it's not as if he just decided, Hey, you know what? I'm going to give up all my hopes of being a commissioner. I give him credit for going out and, uh, and making himself the most attractive candidate for the ACC to bring in. So I'm looking forward to, Meeting him, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table, and I do think it's good for the ACC that they went outside the conference for somebody to bring in some fresh, new, different ideas to get the league into a position where it can be uh, a trailblazer as opposed to just following everybody else.
2: In in random thought, just on that, my my wife's best friend lives in Chicago, so we go there regularly. My goodness, Northwestern's facilities are amazing right there on the beach. yeah. You know, I use the beach loosely living here. I'm in Orlando as well, by the way. Um, But, man, that facility at Northwestern is gorgeous. And and hopefully he can also, uh, you know, bring Comcast to Tallahassee and some other places.
3: Yes, the ACC (laughs) network cable uh, thing, it needs to. I I know there's a lot of fans in a lot of different cities who want to see that resolved.
1: Yeah, I remember um sitting down with you and when you interviewed me for this article, we read it and just reading it, I was I remember some of the things I talked with you about, just about how the program was beginning to change what we're at. out. When I was reading it, it was something that I had no clue that was taking place, and I was just completely shocked. Um, that being said, with everything that took place and where we are now as a program, how long do you think it would take for um, us to get this thing turned around. That's the biggest question that all knows when to hear right now.
3: Freddie, I asked you that question too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I felt like I had to go to uh, an expert on that, so that's why we, I we're at a completely different
1: you. place. I think we talked <laughs> in the summer.
3: We, we did, yeah.
1: And then it happened.
3: I first of all, I want to thank you for talking to me for that story and just being mm-hmm. so open and honest about. Where you thought the problems were, and also mm-hmm. what you felt needed to be fixed and corrected and and one thing that you said to me, well, there are a couple of things you said to me that really stood out you know, the fact that you started to see some of the the cracks uh, before you left stood out to me because at that time, Florida State was still winning ten games every year, and I think from the outside, people just expected it to continue moving forward, but on the inside, there was this feeling that if we don't get this tightened up, there could be some serious problems. So the fact that you all perhaps saw it coming before everybody else, I think was really interesting. And I think the, the other interesting thing that you, that you said that I think will determine how long it takes. You said that the players need to decide for themselves. Are we going to be winners again? Or are we going to continue to be laughing stock? And ultimately, a lot of that is going to be on the players in that locker room. Are they going to come together? Are they going to work their butts off to get to a point now where they're not being pushed around in games by teams that Florida State should be pushing around? We talked about that, too, Freddie, the fact that. Sometimes you watch Florida state play and these are supposed to be automatic wins. And yet teams are winning on the line of scrimmage, which never happened when you were going to Florida state. So I think we talked about, you alluded to Mackenzie Milton earlier. I don't know whether he's ever going to take a snap for Florida state. I really hope he does because it will be the story of the year and everyone will be clapping and cheering and crying when that moment happens because of everything that he's been through. I think more importantly is what he's going to bring to that locker room. What he was able to do at UCF, you know, I alluded to the, the national championship in 2017, that was his team. And he brought the dog to the locker room. You know, he got everybody around him to make themselves better because that's what he expected of them. I think Florida State's been missing that in the locker room for years now, that they haven't had somebody to set the example and to lead in the weight room, in the film room, in the classroom. What are all the things that we need to do to get better? None of this I stuff. What are we going to do for the team? And that's where Mackenzie Milton, I think, is going to be so beneficial because he's put himself aside for the last two years to focus on the team, UCF. He groomed his successor, who is so good now, McKenzie did not feel like he was going to have a chance to win the starting job. What does that tell you about McKenzie Milton and that intangible that he's going to bring into the Florida State locker room? So I think a lot of this really is going to depend on what happens in there, the chemistry that's going to be developed in this offseason. Are guys going to pull together or are they going to continue to pull away from each other? And what Mike Norvell does to be able to harness all of that. The fact that hopefully they'll have some continuity with the coaching staff, I think is going to be really important because these guys have had no continuity at all, whether we're talking about head coach or coordinator or position coach Odell's the only continuity that there's been inside this program. So there are a lot of factors involved in all of this. I still believe that Mike Norvell has what it takes to win there. I think he's got the type of scheme that will help Florida state win there. But there's a lot more involved here than just Mike Norvell. It has to be a collective effort where everybody is all moving in the same direction. And we have not seen that yet at Florida State. We have not seen that in, I don't know, five or six years probably.
0: In the ACC, all that considered, in the ACC, it's pretty wide open though to get back, right? Like it's Clemson. And then, you know, Miami and then North Carolina and then everybody else, right? Like it, it, there's not, it's not the SEC, right? Where you've got to climb over your mid-level programs and then get over like Auburn, LSU, Georgia, Florida. Oh, here's Alabama, you know, like in the ACC, like it, it's, it's a much quicker road, right? And so Florida state should be able to out-recruit. And I know the recruiting class isn't fantastic right now, but if they're considering guys to be transferring in and kind of immediate impact guys, Florida state should be able to out recruit everybody in the conference almost immediately with some continuity minus, you know, Clemson, Miami. Right. So the the road back should be quicker for FSU than anyone else. Right. I I would assume I'm hoping so give us some good news.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I kind of felt that way when they hired Willie Taggart and I thought Willie Taggart was a good hire at that time. And, you know, I think a lot of the folks in the administration were kind of, he wants to be here. Let's hire him right away because they felt Jimbo at the end didn't want to be there and was looking out the door for the next available opportunity. So they get a guy in Willie Taggart who maybe hadn't proven himself on the power five level and just wanted to be there because he loved Florida State so much, and war daddies, and all this other stuff he talked about at his introductory press conference, and it didn't work out. So now that you're starting over again with a Mike Norvell, yes, recruiting is obviously going to be important, but I think what Mike did so well at Memphis that will be helpful right now because the recruiting class maybe isn't what Florida State fans expect, they developed a ton of talent there. They really did. When you look at the players now that Memphis has, it wasn't uh, the same year as they had a year ago, but they still had a 1,000-yard receiver. They still had a 3,000-yard passer, Um, and these were guys that Mike brought in and and developed and, and recruited. So I think that if he goes back to what worked in terms of the development of players, forget about the stars. Florida State signed four and five stars that, just didn't work out the last four years. How many four and five stars were disappointments for Florida State over this time period? Okay, so let's forget about the stars. If Mike Norvell is bringing in guys who he thinks fits the system, who will work, who don't have egos, who have good character, who will come in and do the stuff that maybe other guys who have the four and five stars next to their name perhaps don't want to do, That's a great starting point because you're going to have guys who believe in what you're asking them to do right from the beginning. So I just let's forget about the stars and forget about the ranking and realize that Mike Norvell has developed players. He's done that every step of his career, specifically on offense. So I think there'll be some opportunities for that to happen. And you're right. The ACC even though there were five ranked teams, you know, beyond Clemson, nobody is really at that level. And when you look at the teams that were ranked, OK, you've got Miami, which just got embarrassed against North Carolina and is still, <laughs> still trying to figure out their way. Don't know even what they're going to be doing at quarterback when Derek King leaves. So they've got issues of their own to work out. And then I think NC State was the next best team in the uh, Atlantic if there were divisions this year you know, NC State should be a team that Florida State can leapfrog fairly quickly, even though NC State has given Florida State some issues over the years. So Louisville had a down year, obviously, you know, when you look at, again, a team like Wake Forest and Syracuse, these are teams that Florida State should be better than. So if you can begin to develop your guys, yeah, you're going to be a step behind Clemson for right now. You are that they're recruiting edge and advantage is so far ahead of everybody else. They're going to have an, ad, an advantage, but in terms of the other teams that are in their division, there shouldn't be a huge gap, even though the seasons have been bad for Florida state, there shouldn't be that gap there. And so that's why, you know, to me, this off season is so critically important for Mike Morbell. They didn't have an off season together. And I really do think that ended up hurting this team more than, we realized at the time.
0: Yeah, no. I've talked about this, and obviously, I'm looking with garnet gold color glasses. But no other coach had to take over a program of this magnitude during the pandemic. After the you know missing, you know, lo- and where the expectations had fallen, you know, losing the bowl streak and everything else that had happened over the last two or three years, there there was just no storm like this one, you know, and so. Um, just incredibly difficult. And he, I was, Freddie and I were up in Tallahassee on, on a Wednesday and he was talking about that, you know, he was talking about, Hey man, we've had kids on campus for like two weeks now, <laughs> you know, and we haven't since March. So just incredibly, incredibly difficult. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously we, we hope for the best and all that. We, we so much appreciate your time. I'm going to ask a couple more and then I'll get you out of here. I know you've been on here for a while, but, um, big bowl matchups. we talked about the playoff. I think the Florida Oklahoma game is really really intriguing. I think you know the over under on that's going to be like ninety, um. So that should be a lot of fun. What's your uh, what's your like most underrated bowl that people need to watch and need to see this year? You know, outside of like the playoff and the New Year's Six, and I mean obviously everybody's going to watch those. What's the big bowl that people need to check out?
3: Wow, you put me on the hot seat here. It I is, I yeah. I look at all the bowl games. Well, the one that's really sticking out in my mind, probably because I live in Orlando, is UCF BYU, right? Oh, I mean, BYU, I what, which one did you think I was going to say? I thought you
0: were going to say Coastal Liberty. I graduated oh, from Liberty. Liberty.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, at least we get that game because it was canceled in season. Um, You know, BYU was a team that a lot of people were talking about. Oh, they have the potential. Maybe could they? And, of course, when we saw their first ranking, we all realized it was never going to happen. Then they lose to Coastal. But great matchup, I think, of two highly underrated quarterbacks. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I just mentioned him for UCF. It hasn't been the type of year UCF expects. They lost three games, but their offense has been absolutely terrific. Marlon Williams is a receiver. I don't know if a lot of people know who he is. Definitely worth tuning in and watching. And obviously, Zach Wilson and BYU on that offensive line. So I think that one could be a really good game and that one's coming up here uh, in a few days. Uh, So I'm, I'm excited to tune in and and watch that one. So I'll go with that one for right now, but you know, what's going to be interesting and it's hard to really handicap a lot of these games right now. We're going to start seeing a trickle of opt outs for the bowl game. So Florida is not going to have Kyle Pitts in that game, for example, and they, Probably will lose a couple of other guys, too, depending on the situation. Miami, their two defensive ends, uh, Quincy Roche and, and Jalen Phillips, they've opted out, so they're not going to play in that game. And, and they've got a tough matchup against Oklahoma State, uh, which likes to throw the ball and, um, and score some points. So we're going to continue to see a lot of those opt-outs, and that's why it makes it so hard to predict and figure out which of these games is going to end up being really good because – you might have teams that look completely different in bowl season without their best players. I think Georgia, let's let's talk about Cincinnati Georgia. You know, Cincinnati doesn't get in the playoff. They get to go to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl against Georgia. Georgia's already had a handful of guys who've said they're they're opting out. And so that of course doesn't help Cincinnati's case if if they were to win that game. People will yeah. say, "Ah, it wasn't a full-strength Georgia team." So that's another game I got my radar on as well.
0: Yeah, and I was going to ask that, but you kind of alluded to it. I assume there'll be more opt outs this year than ever, just because yeah. of the weird year. And hopefully that trend doesn't continue, right? I mean, I don't blame anybody that does, right? Like, you got to take care of yourself at that point. But I'm hoping that trend doesn't, you know, continue on and it just get worse and worse and worse because you know there's been so many bowls that have been canceled, and that's you know due to due to other reasons and stuff. But my my last one, and then I'll pass around and, and we'll get out of here. But. uh, do you have any thoughts on all these really, really bad record SEC teams and teams that are getting in these bowl games and you know teams are getting excluded from from bowls because of kind of the contracts and stuff like that? Like what I was hoping is I was hoping that two wins South Carolina would get Liberty would get them and uh, we could have an SEC win to go with our few ACC wins this year. But what are your thoughts on you know the one and two and three win teams getting getting in the bowl games?
3: So there was only one SEC team that decided to opt out, and that was Vanderbilt for, I think, pretty obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, but so South Carolina, at two and eight, is in a bowl game. They asked the interim coach um, whether they had a chance to vote if they could play, and uh, Mike Bobo said, "There's no vote when you're in the SEC." So there you have it. Uh, the the bowl contracts meant that the SEC was going to fill those slots. And because of the bowl contracts, a team like Army, which went nine and two, could not find another bowl destination. They were locked into the Independence Bowl, but every team that they tried to get to play them in the Independence Bowl decided to opt out. So they had to cancel the Independence Bowl. Army has no game right now, but we've got, Arkansas with three wins in a game. We've got Kentucky with four wins in a game. We've got South Carolina with two wins in a game. And that's, again, let's allude to the conversation we had before about the playoff and all the power concentrated in the power five. That's because the bowl contracts, because all the power five teams want to keep those bowl contracts and those elite games for themselves. And so that's why we have this situation. And look, I knew this was going to happen. I think we all guessed this was going to happen when the NCAA decided, hey, everyone's eligible for a bowl now. Everyone, everyone can play. That ended up favoring the SEC.
2: And it's ridiculous to me that 9-2 and two Army could not even get into the Armed Forces Bowl. Right, <laughs> like right. Evolved, like that? Like I know they were supposed to go to Independence, but one of my good friends played there and uh, he is so upset that, Again, the armed forces bowl, you can't get army in there. What what are we doing? I
3: know. I know. The military bowl, that game probably <laughs> isn't gonna happen either. Can't get army in there. All
2: right. Freddie has a one more than I, I have one completely off the rails question.
3: Okay.
0: Oh gosh.
1: Not that bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Freddie, you're on mute.
1: One thing not enough people are talking about, you haven't really heard people speak on, is the fact that with the SEC starting late and then having all these cancellations. These New Year's Six Bowls, these guys won't have as much time to prepare for them. They usually get a little bit over two weeks, and now they're going to get a bit over one week to prepare. Do you, you feel like that'll change things a bit for guys? Um, guys may be banged up, and you don't get a lot of film on the teams at this point. I know when we were preparing, we get all those weeks, and by the time we're heading into the game, we know everything they want to do. I was just like a – typical game week, but now you're dealing with a team that's outside of your conference. So you may not be as familiar with them going into the game. So what are your thoughts on that?
3: Great question, Freddie. And Dabo Sweeney was asked about that today because they've got, what, 10 days to prepare because of if you include the off days that players are are required to get. So he said they're just going to treat it like it's a by week the way that they did to prepare for Notre Dame. In fact, he said they're going to have more time to prepare for Notre Dame in the ACC championship game than they are going to have to prepare for Ohio State in the playoffs. So going back to the question you asked about Ohio State and whether at any moment they could turn it on, perhaps that favors a team like Ohio State uh, because um, that doesn't give Clemson as much time maybe to prepare and maybe you can surprise them with stuff either you haven't done yet, but you've been practicing and you just haven't had an opportunity to do it. Maybe some looks um, that can throw Clemson off a little bit. Uh, I don't know how much of a factor that is going to be, but you're right. I mean, I remember when there are six weeks between – a championship game and a bowl game. Everyone's like, aren't you ready to play right now? Aren't you just tired? Don't you want to just get out there? That's always the storyline. Now it's the complete opposite because you're not going to have as much time to prepare. So essentially you're going to be seeing teams just treat it as if it was an open date. And you're right. They won't have as much time to break everything down. Although knowing Clemson and Alabama, they've probably already started breaking down those teams. Same with Ohio State, you know, over the last couple of weeks, they've had their um, their GAs or or other folks on staff to try and and start to look at that. But it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out. And and the other thing for Ohio State that I think is worth mentioning, even though Ryan Day said they'll probably have all their players back for the game. He's not sure when they're all going to be back at practice. And so there's going to be a staggered return of players to practice, which means you could have some guys that are only going to get a few days of practice before having to go play Clemson, maybe some guys who get a week. And so that's going to be interesting. How much time is the actual entire Ohio state team going to have to practice together to prepare for this game? That's something that Ryan day didn't have an answer to today.
2: And, Andrew, I know I said off the rails. It's not off the rails. It's just not college football. But we saw a lot of great plays this weekend for championship weekend. The the, the name escapes me, but the freshman cornerback from Northwestern with the one-handed interception, um, a lot of good. Devontae Smith is just – he's a cheat code. But for me, the most impressive athlete I saw this weekend – was 11-year-old Charlie Woods. Did you see any of the shots he was hitting? Because he made me feel re- really bad. I was sold my golf clubs because I'm like, this kid's 11, and I, I, there's no way I can compete with this guy.
3: I loved it, and I don't understand anybody who is criticizing it because I saw there was some blowback and pushback on Twitter look I've got an a twelve year old and I've got a nine year old and if they could swing a club like that oh, yeah. man I would be pushing that out everywhere that I could uh, so <laughs> I thought I thought it was great and i, I know tiger uh, is a very uh polarizing figure but it's it seems as if he's um, cares about his kids and yeah. is trying to be there for them, and uh, you know, to to be in their lives, uh, not to be an absentee father. And so, the fact that we all got to witness that and to see it, I want to see more. That's the content yes. I want to see. Yes, please bring it on.
2: Yeah, my my wife, I, I was showing her the clips on Twitter, like when he's hitting these incredible shots that I could only dream of, and she's like you know, I don't think Tiger's a great person, but he's clearly a great father. And uh, that was, that was cool to me. Like I just, I love seeing Tiger and Charlie in identical outfits playing together yeah, in, so here, here in Orlando. So that was awesome.
3: Yeah. So cute. I, I, I have to totally off tangent here, but before Tiger's world kind of blew up, I worked at the Orlando Sentinel and I was assigned to go out to, to Bay Hill and just walk around with him. I, I, I don't play golf. I think I've swung a club only a few times in my life. I know the basic rules. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll do that. It was one of the coolest experiences of my entire career because you not only got to see him like in his office, you know, how he goes about preparing for every single shot. But the hysteria surrounding him um, on every single hole and 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 the people running as soon as he hit his shot. It was just a mad dash to try and get your best position to see the next shot. And then another mad dash. And you're trying not to get trampled as everybody is trying to get their best view of Tiger. Um, Such a cool moment, such a cool experience. And I'll never forget it.
2: That was probably me and my buddies because we go to the Arnold Palmer every year. <laughs> and I know Tiger hasn't played the past few years. So last year it was all about Brooks Kepka, right? The Florida State guy. Yeah. We're running like, let's get our beer and then let's run to his next <laughs> shot.
3: Yeah. It makes it fun, though, because, yeah. you know, golf, you, you're expecting just, you know, but no, no, no hand claps here. It was just oh. like very raucous atmosphere and it uh, felt very much at home.
0: Awesome. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I know we kept you a while, but we had a great time. Hopefully, you did too. But we we thank you so much for your time. Uh, I think we're gonna try and go to. We went up to the game. What last week? Duke. We tried to go to the Virginia game, and that didn't work out so well. We did go to the Duke game last week. Um, I think we're gonna try and go up for the Miami game. So hopefully, you get assigned for that, and we'll buy you a gut box on us um, for the FSU Miami game. Hopefully, things are back to somewhat normal next year for college football. But thank you so much for. hanging out with us. Tell us where people can follow you, where they can find your work, how they can support you um, and everything that you do at ESPN.
3: Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, ESPN.com. You just click on NCAAf, and that's the college football page. And you'll see my column that I just talked about up there. Uh, also the news story and the Miami players who are opting out, got some bowl previews that are coming out here in the next day or so. Uh, and all of that is on Twitter at a Adelson ESPN.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your evening, a great holiday. And uh thank you again for hanging out with us. We had a blast.
3: Thanks, guys. Merry Christmas. So
0: Merry Christmas. Yeah. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Andrea Adelson of ESPN. That was awesome. She was fantastic. Um, yeah. had a great time uh with her and uh man, I just want to go see Tiger Woods play golf now. Like I just want to, you know, like Tiger
2: Woods play golf, man. That kid can
0: swing it. Yeah, too, but, um, <laughs> I've seen Tiger before. I need to see this kid now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with it. So um, so good stuff there. Okay, so I want to start, I want to talk about some of the stuff she talked about as well. Um, but first was that Alabama Florida game. I, that's probably the game of the year, right? Like Clemson Alabama may be better. I don't, you know, I don't know. A game's always fantastic when it happens, but Man, that game was fantastic. Uh, I, you know, I was watching it with I I talk about him a bunch, but I was over at Eric and Allie Wilbur's house. So, Eric punted on one of their national championship teams mid to late 2000s. Um, and so they're you know, they're huge gators, like all four of their daughters are they're the you know, blue and orange. And uh, at halftime, man, I was just like, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but like at halftime, man, like I took like five or six bourbons over, we were tasting different stuff, like I'm kind of feeling it. And I'm just kind of like grinning from ear to ear knowing that they're getting blown out. Like it was yeah. fantastic. And then they start coming back and I'm like, "Oh shoot. Like if they come back and beat them and I am here to have to watch them celebrate, I don't I'm just going to end it all. Like I'm just over it. And like not doing this. Fortunately, Alabama came out on top uh in that game. But fantastic game, like you said. I I didn't watch one second of the basketball game. Um <laughs> Because that football game was so yeah. fantastic. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on? I asked her thoughts on A and M Notre Dame. Do you think the committee, Richie? You said you you'd have taken A and M, right, Freddie? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I just um, I know everybody was saying that A and M got blown out by Bama, but I just think it's um, they they clearly got better since then, but. For Notre Dame to get blown out this late in the season, I don't that's unacceptable to to be honest. Like I just don't think there's any room to grow with them. That they, they're gonna go in and probably get beat by 40 by Alabama. And any other any other team would have gotten the same thing, but maybe maybe the game's more competitive with a different team in that fourth slot, but maybe it's not. I just think at this point with the history of Notre Dame Notre Dame has, you should give it another team that opportunity.
2: Yeah, and th- this kind of today kind of solidified my argument that the, the it's not a college ball playoff, it's a college ball invitational. They they went for the best TV ratings and the best TV matchups. And if that was their goal, then they hit a home run, right? You could not have picked the better four teams this year. Uh, you know, it's with it, it and here's the thing when it comes to like number four, five, six, seven, eight, minus group of five teams, which we've already covered. Win your games and you're in, right? Don't lose. If you go undefeated in a Power 5 conference, you're going to get in the playoff. There, there's no doubt about that. No Power 5 team has ever gone undefeated for a season and not made the playoffs. I know it's only been since 2014, but still, you have no one to blame but yourself. I thought Jimbo made an outstanding point yesterday after they uh, you know, really handled Tennessee. He's like, you know, we had to play – he's like, we've won seven straight SEC games. Granted, the SEC – mid to bottom half is not great, but he's right. And they beat a good Florida team who almost beat Alabama last night. And Jimbo's like, yeah, we've only, we've won seven straight SEC games. Our only loss is to the number one team in the country. And they also had, you know, he didn't name him by name, but basically he's like, they had Jalen Waddle, who no one else has had to play against since we played them. So, so I definitely think A&M had a great argument and they were probably, if, if we're talking, if I had a vote, I'd probably go chalk one through three, and I would have had AM over Notre Dame. But at the same time, you win all your games, you get in. So you can't, I don't feel bad for any team that misses it. Just like I hate when the NCAA tournament comes around and they talk about teams that got snubbed. Now, if you, you're not one of the 64 best teams, you're going to complain about not getting the tournament? No, like that doesn't matter. That doesn't count. Like it, it you had a chance. If you were, you just had to be like a top 40 team in regular season play. Cause I know a, a lot of smaller conferences get these auto bids, but no, if you handled business during your season, you would be in, in the culture football playoffs the same way. So I, I don't feel bad for anyone who got left out. And personally, I think the committee made the right decision.
0: Made the right decision with Notre Dame.
2: Yeah. Because uh, again, yeah, no, I agree. I was just checking. They it. know it's about TV rating. We, we could debate for hours on who the most deserving teams are. But if you look at just records and who's going to put eyeballs on the television, the, the 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 committee could not have asked for a better situation than this because this was this will be a phenomenal playoff. We talked about it with Andy Staples on Thursday night. We, we got we basically got chalk, and it's going to be a phenomenal playoffs. And I know Notre Dame, they're not going to beat Alabama, but say it's a close game late. All of a sudden, New Year's Day, we're like, man, we we just saw two outstanding games, and we're going to get regardless we're gonna get the two best teams in the in the championship game right
0: yeah no i think so i i agree i you know i don't and, and mike just commented i mean i agree that since he should be in like i would take cincinnati over any of these teams you know because they won out but yeah no of the of the two teams we considered of AM and 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 notre dame i mean yeah i'm i'm very comfortable with notre dame being there um Notre Dame had a better win than A&M by yeah. beating number two as opposed to beating number seven. Um, Andrew talked about they didn't want to penalize a team for going to a conference championship, which is a new standard because <laughs> – <I>, because <laughs> – well, because Georgia went into the SEC championship uh, – against Alabama with one loss and then lost again to Bama and got dropped out of it. So, you know, and they were both in the top four when that happened. So that's kind of a new standard, but I understand it. And I agreed with it last year. And so I was, I was fine with it. Um, Notre Dame's loss. You know, it's very interesting to me. The BCS would have had this same four, right? And so if the BCS would have had the same four, then I'm more okay with it. If the BCS would have had a and I'd kind of have second thoughts. But what's so tough and what I hate so much about the committee is one year it's what we're talking about right now yeah the next year it's our year it was game control like how you yeah. looked through the, it wasn't how many games you won it was how you looked while you were winning those games and then the next year it was something else right it was you know whatever winning your conference or, or whatever it doesn't matter but for the most part i mean i think that you know alabama was going to be whoever number four was yeah and you know if 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 your argument is that then then don't Don't lose games. A&M's schedule's not very impressive outside of beating Florida. Their next best win is Auburn, uh, who was not very good this year. You know, they beat Tennessee by 21. Okay, great. They snuck by Arkansas. They snuck by Mississippi State. They snuck by Vanderbilt by five points, who went 0-9. So, yeah, I'm not – you know, AM didn't do anything to like super impress me either. Notre Dame had a good win against UNC, and that's probably it was probably that second win that got them in, as well as them not wanting to, you know, drop them out because they went to a championship game, which to me, that makes a ton of sense. Again, that's a new standard from the SEC, or I'm sorry, from the committee, but I don't, again, I don't know that it matters so, much. To like, me, to me the after. only controversy would be if the Power Five had five
2: undefeated conference champions. Otherwise, you don't have a you don't have an argument, and I I get the thought that oh well we we had to play number one number seven number twelve why they only played number fourteen again win your games and you're in and the committee we, we know what the committee is again it's it's an invitational they're going to pick the teams that have the best records who will also get the most eyeballs on the television screen Freddie what are you, what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah um, I agree I was just Outside looking in, uh, I was thinking the best teams again. But like you said, it's a, it's a money thing, ratings thing, and of course, it makes more sense. And like I agree with TJ, Notre Dame's resume is a lot more impressive. But at the end of the day, me just odd test—you couldn't tell that Notre Dame would beat a And M in a one-on-one matchup. But I, I get it. The resume, the resume is just if that's the format we're going to stick with, it has to be that across the board. So if that's the format they're going to make their decisions from, then that's cool. We, we'll, we'll ride that out, but we can't um, go back and forth switching it every um opportunity they get just to get teams they want in. That's, that's the biggest that, thing.
0: And that's the problem is they do that. Exactly yeah. what you're saying, they do yeah. that. This year, it was resume, right? They went with resume, and Notre Dame's resume is better. If well, you they they didn't
2: go with to, resume because Ohio State's in, and, and I think Ohio State should be in, but if you're looking, if we're talking strictly resume, Ohio state ain't in <laughs> Cincinnati's in over them.
0: I mean, the number one thing they look for on the top of the resume is conference champions. They're like, so like that part of their resume fits yeah. the bill that they want. Right. And so, yeah. um, you know, but like next year it'll be, you know what, it'll be eye test. Right. Cause there'll be a team, there'll yeah. be a team that has it, you know? So anyway, they it's it's kind of crazy. I think the solution, and I don't know if I talked about this on this pod or if it was on somewhere else, but you know, I think that they should eliminate all divisions. Did I talk about this on this pod? No, you but should, that, you that, should that's, do away that's with. A great point. Yeah. You should do away. Thank you, Richie. I never thought I'd hear you say that. It's a, it's a Festivus miracle. I think it's the first time I've heard <laughs> with you on. Like four, I think we're on episode 48 or whatever it is. Uh, and I'm like, ooh, I agree with you. caught me off guard there? Eliminate <laughs> all divisions. What you would have gotten is Florida would have been eliminated with their loss to LSU, and you would have gotten an ACC – I'm sorry, an SEC championship of Bama A&M. And from that, you'd have known with – you'd have known exactly what – who should have been in right? Yeah. Because Notre Dame yeah. lost by like 30, but if, if a would have lost by 30, then yeah, 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 you take the team that won the game, not the team that lost too. But if AM would have been closer or lost by a touchdown, you'd have had an argument, right? So I think eliminating the divisions would, would be huge in the power five conferences. Um, because it's dumb that just because all the good teams are on one side, and I'm not saying that all the good teams are on one side in the SEC, Florida. It's an, Florida, it's an archaic way of deciding who should. play. It is, yeah. Well, it's like it's like the the Atlantic, right? In the coastal, like yeah. winning the coastal is just you're gonna lose to the team that wins. You know, yeah. when was the last time that Florida? <laughs> when was the last time that Florida State or Clemson didn't win the ACC? you know, it's been forever because those are the teams that 11, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the teams that run it. So the, I mean, I made the joke about Florida getting flown out this week, which they played better than I thought, but like, that's literally what playing on that side of the ACC is. You're just getting flown out for a beating to, you know, Clemson or Florida state. So that's what they should do. And then you'd have it. You'd have had a and M last night, um, Against Bama, game wouldn't have been as good. I'll say that. Like, I don't yeah. think Bama played in the sticks, so maybe I don't want that. But anyway, having a team with two losses going there, it's kind of stupid to me. Uh, off of that for a second, who's your guys' Heisman winner? If you have your vote, actually give me your one, two, three. Who is your one, two, three for the Heisman? All right, I'll go and first. So you guys don't. You guys don't have votes, and you're not sworn to secrecy. Like I,
2: I've been, I've been beating this drum for six weeks now. Devonte Smith is my Heisman winner. Um, and as of today, he is the Vegas favorite to win it. So I'm going to take credit for that. Cause I've been calling that for since October, I believe. Uh, number two, Mac Jones, number three, oh man, I, I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence because I'm not going to penalize him for catching COVID, right? Like that, that, that's the one negative against him. He missed a few games, but he showed us last night, man, some of those passes, I know the receivers were open. But he put that ball on a dime, man. He was throwing it around there. Uh, so, yeah, Devontae Smith is my undoubted number one, and I hope he wins it. Uh, and then I'll go Mac Jones, and then Trevor Lawrence is my number three. How about you, Freddie?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm on the NFL train now as well, man. I think he should he should Let's run go. away with this, <laughs> with this thing right now, especially when you look back at what Bama's been able to do. Um, Najee Harris, he's going to take away some those but – the, the star of that team right now is Devontae Smith. He's he's the guy you show up for. Of course Najee Harris carried them last night and he should get some votes as well. And I but I think Devontae Smith would be one for me. And just for that reason I just stated I'm I'm leaving Mac Jones out of it. I'm taking um I'll put I'll put Trask at two and I'll sneak in Naji Najee Harris at three.
0: It's so tough because I don't I mean, Devontae Smith was so quietly good last night. Um, Like, he wasn't just like, so, I mean, he was great, you know, in the game, but he was just so quietly good um, that I don't know that he did a ton last night to, like, change my mind. Now, I thought he was the best player um, in college football a year which is kind of crazy because I thought Waddle was before he got hurt. So, like, the embarrassment of riches that they have over there is insane. But I don't know. He's not going to win it. But if there was ever, like, a Heisman moment by anybody, it was Najee Harris last night. Like, he dominated that game. Three receiving touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, like 250 scrimmage. yards. Like, he was absurd last night. And not enough to, like, put him all the way over the top and win it, but, like – man, I might vote for him just based on that. Like he finished the year with 35 touchdowns, which was more than Mac Jones had and, you know, 1500 scrimmage yards. And so, you know, 1500 plus nearly 1600 scrimmage yards. So I don't know, Najee Harris, he's not going to win it, but he might've done enough in my mind. I don't have a vote anyway, so I don't really care. I got Najee Harris number one, like biggest stage, and I'm put a lot into that last game, but they're all, I mean, they're all three fantastic. Like you could have the three Bama guys, one, two, three, you know, cause yeah, we, yeah and no only, one could argue that, right? Like, yeah, game fans would so, mad, but nobody else could argue that. Yeah, But I mean, we like hearing them cry, so it's fine. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. And he's not going to win it. So my, you know, but I mean, he is fantastic as well, you know? And so, but yeah, I'm probably going, you know, some order of that, you know, Najee Smith, Mac, Najee Mac Smith, you know something, something like that. But I think I give, I'd show some love to the running back. Um, but yeah, I think Smith ends up winning it. As long as, as long as <laughs> Kyle Trask had a fantastic year because Dan Mad Mullen padded his stats all season yeah, and he they never run the ball and they, win they win. never yeah. and they never ran the ball. So you know, not taking any Kyle Trask will go on and make money in the NFL. So I'm not going to feel g- bad for a, you know. Guy that's going to be a millionaire very soon, but I'm just glad they don't get to have a, another <laughs> statue outside their stadium and be able to talk that smack. We they can ask for the refund on the on the bus that they already ordered. So yeah, for sure good. they can they can trade in those Elevens men shirts. Um, no basketball minute tonight because Richie's a slacker and did uh, Christmas stuff all weekend, um, and so didn't have time to write it out. Um, we so, talked
2: about the Georgia Tech game already, and after last night. I was going to write one.
0: UCF my, embarrassed him so bad that he. They did. They did.
2: And, it, you know, it, we took McKenzie Melton and, and they were very upset and they took it out on, on us in the second half by not missing any shots. I will say, Florida State, that, that was not Florida State basketball defense. They need to clean that up a lot. Um, I, I rewatched the game this morning before I uh, went to all my Christmas festivities. Uh, but yeah, man, that, that defense was not good. Um, they gave. UCF, they're not a good team. That's a bad loss, uh, but luckily in basketball, you can have multiple bad losses in a year and it won't kill you. So I don't want Florida State fans that, that you know jumped on the basketball train this year because they, they want to see a winner. It start like you know jumping off cliffs. Don't worry about it. That that happens all the time in college basketball. It's not you know it it, it happens a lot. Um, but it, man, we didn't play defense in the second half, and we gave UCF played well. Give them credit. But we gave them a lot of open looks that typical ham defenses do not give up. Uh, so I, I'm excited for the next basketball minute that will come because I, I think we'll be 2 0 again. Even if we're 0 2, I promise I'll bring one.
0: I will deliver. You broke my heart because that's my favorite. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite segment of the. Uh the entire show. You gave me a snippet of it last week, and then you. I feel like I'm getting coal right now for Christmas. Shout out to my guy, Mike, who's been watching this. Um, he's a, I know he graduated from UCF. Um, you know they got wins against Auburn and, and Florida State right now, so two power five wins for, for UCF. I mean, I hope they win out. You know, I hope they win the rest yeah. of their games because it helps us. Um, so I think that's it. you guys have anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good on everything.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I'm good on my thing. Uh, again, great week when Great weekend. Ugh. Um but yeah, man, I you know, Florida State unfortunately the football game canceled. That sucked. The basketball game sucked. But we got to see Florida lose and a lot of their fans had talked themselves into thinking they had a chance heading into that game. We all knew Alabama was going to win. They Alabama brought their C-minus game at best and still Again, Florida never really had a chance. I
0: don't know that that was a C-minus game.
2: On offense, that was an A+. Okay, D+.
0: D+. for
2: I will never give Florida credit on this show ever. No, they played a heck of a second half last night. But no, on a Florida note, shout out Keontae Johnson. I don't know if you guys saw the video. He posted a video on his Twitter a few days ago. He's up talking. Um, He was doing the Gator Chomp, which would normally disgust me, but I'd never been so happy to See a guy on video doing the gator chomp, thinking Gator Nation, Keontae Johnson. So, what about, so what much about when, what about when pondered in it? Uh, Ponder Ponder it? I've been happy,
0: I've been happy plenty of times seeing
2: but, when did it. I've never been so happy. Landon, Landon, see see I've never been so, so happy to night. see a gator <laughs> player do the gator chomp than I was to see Keontae Johnson. Man, that story I've been following that so closely ever since it happened. And to see he, that he is definitely on a positive road to recovery, like that is that that's awesome because it man he he seems like an awesome young kid and i wish him nothing but the best and it looks like he's on his road to recovery
0: whatever that may look like absolutely freddie any shout outs on your end
1: Uh, shout out to my chef man i don't know if y'all saw me post my, my video but it's hard to get healthy meals that taste good. Like these meals in here, <laughs> I was I only I'm only supposed to eat two a day after eating my breakfast. I don't know how to for man. So I got an issue. Um, but it's hard to get healthy meals that taste good. And yeah, uh, shout out my chef, man. He going he got me right.
2: Freddie's got a chef, man. This podcast is doing well.
1: Whew,
0: sheesh. Um, shout out Ed Kennedy. Ed's part of the team here. at Double fries, no slaw. Got married yesterday. Um. Congrats Ed, congrats on the sex. Very happy for you. Um I don't have any other words, bro. Like I've been married for like 6 years, so I'm I'm not an expert. So just go to somebody wiser than me if you have any questions. But congrats Ed. Um, I I don't have a song. I suck at picking songs. So like one of you guys can definitely take it. See if we have anything Christmas in the uh in the repertoire from one of you guys. If not, we're going like Charlie Brown or something. No, no, we're going Christmas for sure,
2: F- Fred. do You got a Christmas song, or do I need to pull one out of the out of Fort Knox over here?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. You may, I'm going to watch them um, jingle all the way after this. So, but you can get the song.
2: Oh man, let, let me go because I. So I'm a big Christmas guy, and I realized real quick. Long story short, I had my uh, work Christmas party uh, this week uh, Friday at 9 a.m. and uh, we had a scavenger hunt. Yeah, we, we yeah. And then we it was via Zoom. They sent us all FedEx boxes with our gifts in it um, but it, there was no like work talk at all it was all like different games and stuff and uh, one of them was uh, like Christmas songs trivia They're like you have to know the song in the artist and I knew all the songs but I didn't know a single artist um, and it, it kind of threw me off I'm like man but if they could only play Christmas and Hollis that that, that would make me happy so I'll go with that one for us uh, this
0: week guys. Run DMC. All right. Everybody watching, hope you guys have a great holiday. I doubt we do a show before uh, Christmas. Something yeah. massive would have to happen. We're not going to do um, shows for uh, transfer cornerbacks from uh, Arkansas, <laughs> low 500 teams. So, so something absolutely he he was a starter in the sec so we'll take him play for arkansas like uh so in his
2: highlight in his highlight film he's committing a pass interference play on one of his
0: (laughs) one of his his, yeah he gave him a 15 yard penalty instead of an 80 yard touchdown so they added it to his highlight tape it was one of the plays that trash didn't throw a touchdown on it you know like (laughs) you know the team that you have put 63 on um So I doubt we do a show before uh, Christmas. So no matter what you celebrate, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Spend it with people you love or listen to the show again and spend it with us. Um, You guys have a great rest of your week. And unless, again, something crazy happens, we will see you back next week for Richie's Basketball Minute and then 59 minutes of us um, talking about other things that aren't important. But we'll have that segment back next week. So... Merry Christmas! Yes. And happy holidays! Yes, sir. Merry Christmas! Happy holidays! And uh, again, no coleslaw
2: this holidays.
1: Oh, one last shout out. We got to shout out um, on my guy Harlan. Man, he's he's not he's not here today. He's doing this thing for the holidays. But shout out Harlan. He's a big guy behind the scenes, and we appreciate everything yeah. that he does. So shout out Harlan. Yeah, man, I absolutely. hope you enjoy your holidays.
0: While we shout out Harlan, I'll give Brian a shout out too. That Thanksgiving edit he made was fire, and I've it seen. I've seen the Christmas one. I'm not showing you guys yet, but oh, you need to shoot that to me. I need to see your, that. <laughs> that's your Christmas morning <laughs> present from me. You guys will see the Christmas edit on Man. Friday speaking morning. Of, so. Speaking yeah. of
1: Christmas, um, we took a picture by the the tree on Christmas, right? I mean, <laughs> well, last week, right, TJ?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, I got. I'm gonna get one of those photographers from the event to those pictures. I got to get those. The, the yeah, the like photos. Yeah,
0: the real pictures. Hopefully, I got my good yeah. angle which is mostly I, just you. I wish I knew
2: it was, it was just you two hanging out with Mike Norvell and me just sitting in my house or, or working all day at, in my, at my hospital. And then uh, I had to look at pictures of Freddie and TJ all day. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're hanging out with Mike Norvell and, and you know, coach Johnson and, and, VIP event at the boosters. So, shout out to y'all for yeah, Coach Norvell
0: At Coach Norvell asked, like, what's that other guy's name that does the pie with you? Said, oh, no, it's, just, it's
2: just a two man weave, bro. Like, it's just us, man. It's
0: he just, just he just a- <laughs> he talks basketball for a minute every week. He, uh, he, he's not important, he's not your type, bro. He's more into Coach Ham. So, all right, tell me, Oh, I've got this. All. all right, see you guys later, man. We'll do this next week. All right.
1: up? Where have you been? Naughty, naughty. Hey, that's right. Oh, the naughty you. Keeping me from my rounds. I'm late as it is. Now stay put. Don't go anywhere till I get back. Understand me? Nice. Santa, Macy's... Yo, man, let's go eat, man. I'm starving. Come
3: on, man.